Hello and welcome to Chop Chop. I am your host, Donna O'Driscoll. This podcast is sponsored by Roots Kitchen. Welcome to Chop Chop. I am your host, Donna O'Driscoll. Today, I'm thrilled to share insights from our guest, Ashling Moore, chef and co-owner of Goldie Restaurant in Cork. Join us as we explore Ashling's journey into the culinary world, her passion for sustainable seafood, the culinary mistakes that shaped us as chefs, and get a sneak peek into her new cookbook, Whole Catch, which is available now for pre-order. Dive into the flavorful world of Chop Chop. Hi, Ashling, and welcome to Chop Chop. For anybody that hasn't heard of you or doesn't know you, please tell us about yourself. So my name is Ashling Moore. I'm the head chef and one of the owners here at Goldie, the seafood restaurant on Albert Plunkett Street in Cork City. We are a casual dining restaurant. Fish is our cuisine, and then we take inspiration from all over the world to kind of create a fun, a fun kind of accessible menu for our customers. Uh, our menu changes every day. We buy all our fish in whole, and our menu reflects what's available from from day boats, predominantly from Ballycotton. Um, and then we we use lots of amazing vegetable and fruit growers all around Cork City. Yeah, that's. That's what That's I do. Amazing. Um, it's it's Ruth Kitchen's favorite restaurant to go to for staff parties, as you know. And you're our favorite, <laughs> our our favorite group <laughs> to have for staff parties as well. So, um, what age did you start cooking? And was there any inspiration when you were younger that kind of got you cooking in the kitchen? Yeah, I, I probably started when I was about 15, 16, after I finished my junior cert, and Jamie Oliver was watching Jamie Oliver cook on TV, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Uh, I think he really made food cool. So yeah, I started then. And when I was in transition year, I was lucky enough to go to Ballymaloe House for my work experience, which was just like a fantastic opportunity and experience. Yeah. My mom took a week off work to drive me up and down every day because she's a legend. Aww. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, like two, yeah, two years ago, we went back and we did a, a fundraiser there when the war started in the, in the Ukraine. And we put on menu and cooked there. So it was a, a really strange, lovely kind of 360. Of... Well, a circle. Yeah, that's uh, I love that. I think most most people in Cork, they do have a little story about like Ballymlew giving them inspiration, don't they? Like it's oh. like it can't not. I think if you're like born and in Cork, there's definitely even if it's just watching Dreen on TV. <laughs> Wonder, or even if it's just a relish. Yeah, yeah. Anything. It's just you have that in your head. It's so funny you said that about Jamie Oliver. I was 15 when he came out. As in not out, but you know, <laughs> when he came onto the TV. But um, same thing, like he came on and it was like, I always love cooking and stuff, but I was like, geez, this looks really mm-hmm. cool. And obviously it's not the same in industry, but like he definitely changed um TV cooks, I think, to be more kind of accessible and like different ingredients, I suppose, kind of that like it's not it doesn't have to be hard, kind of. He was very yeah, it wasn't um, as serious. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit of me and a bit of you, you know, that kind of yeah. approach of just kind of lots of personality in the food as well, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And and like you don't need to take yourself too seriously, but you can still take your food seriously. In exactly. A kind of, you know, yeah. So he was definitely a big kind of influence for me. But yeah, my mom would always be watching the Today Show or the Afternoon Show. So I'd be watching the chefs and that was probably the thing that piqued my interest the most. I, yeah. I always kind of wanted to be involved in some form of production or manufacturing of something I didn't really mm-hmm. food was like I loved eating food but I, I wasn't really like as a child kind of super interested in it like my mom or my grandmother would take me to the English market before the days of sophisticated refrigeration 
you know, I used to be like, oh my God, the smell in here. And now <laughs> there, there's rarely a day that I'm not in the market, you know? So yeah, I think growing up in the city as well and having the English market like we do was just kind of like such an easy way to get into food really because you had the access to everything. Like Mr. Bell's having what they had 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, some some counties don't even have what they had then now. So I think we were really lucky from that perspective and like diverse cuisines and, you know, crew beans and tripe and trashine and everything was just there, you know. So, yeah, yeah really lucky, I think, to to be in Cork and, and have an interest in food, you know. Yeah, yeah. It definitely helps to kind of progress your curiosity when you're younger, because like you're there, as you say, it's things like crew beans, bodice, tripe, all that, things that we kind of take for granted but when people come and see what's available in there, they're like, wow, this is like, especially like Spanish people, Italian people, like they, you know, they have their own ways of doing it. But it's just something that's kind of still a bit unusual for people, I suppose, that haven't seen it like laid out. We see the tripe laid out and scales. It's just lovely that it's still kept that quintessential kind of essence of what like the old fashioned kind of core cuisine was. Like you walk in and it's still like stepping back into back in the yeah, day. <laughs> 100% and being able to go up to the farm gate to Pam and, you know, those dishes still being on there and yeah. being like being able to have lunch in the English market and a glass of wine. It's such a luxury, you know, yeah. like, it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Long, it's really long may it last. Exactly, exactly. So I suppose we kind of with the childhood food memory because you weren't really cooking or would, would there be would you have a childhood food memory that would stick out in your head not fancy nor anything but something that is like always gives you comfort when you have it yeah not nothing with me is ever fancy really I think like <laughs> yeah like bacon and cabbage bodice yeah. you just mentioned there earlier I love bodice yeah. and turnip cooked in the water like, oh yeah oh, divine <laughs> yeah like my mom used to bake a bit so like licking the spoon for sure butterfly cake yes. that kind of thing uh, I think yeah. the like the older I'm getting the more I kind of rely on the food I was raised in like for, mm -hmm. from like a menu development kind of point because I think for us here we really want people to feel comfortable mm -hmm. and fish can be kind of perceived as like a limited offering for a restaurant so like what we're really trying to do is appeal to people who just love food not just fish yeah and kind of bring in those kind of nostalgic points or points of reference from other cuisines or from childhood or seasonality or whether it's Christmas and we're doing sprouts you know like do it in a kind of fun interesting modern way uh rather than the the waterlogged yeah um, mush. sprouts that I was raised on and oh cooked on Christmas years. Eve and heated up yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got huge now they hear us <laughs> <laughs> and they're still going on Stephen's Day you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> no hassle yeah that's it that's it <laughs> but sure that's even like something that it's not something that you'd serve people but like when you see it there's still a comfort when you get that served up to you're like you know absolutely it's brown and mushy but it just has the flavor <laughs> of of food memories <laughs> yeah yeah and, um, it's the, and it's the smell and the level of condensation in the kitchen yeah you know? yeah, like yeah everything's been steaming and boiling for hours yeah yeah and my my grandmother used to put she when she was doing the corned beef and cabbage she'd cook the cabbage in the corned beef water but she'd always add in a bit of bread soda because it would like soften it down even further so like as if it needed it she thought yeah. she had a pressure cooker and all <laughs> <laughs> they're just lovely to think back on you know and like I Absolutely. suppose we do dinners like that at home, but we'll do it more in a cleaner way. But not cleaner, but a... Find. Yeah, 
refined (laughs) (laughs) but the flavors are still there going on holidays now throughout the year since you've become a chef is there any like meal that you've had on holidays where you're like you constantly think about it and say oh that was just amazing I can't wait to go back there yeah you know a few when I I went to Thailand with my friends say eight or nine years ago now we were in Chiang Mai which is like northern and we went to a banquet like a Thai banquet and it was like 22 courses or something mad like that and there was like amazing broths and salads and curries obviously and Thai fried chicken that was a really special meal because it was just like it was like nothing I'd ever had before Mm -hmm. really I suppose like something that ceremonious in a in an Asian concept I'd never kind of experienced I've been to I'd been to fine dining restaurants I suppose at that at that time and then a couple of years ago we closed for an extra day and the whole team went to Lisbon on a bit of a staff party and we went to a restaurant called Prado and we just had this big huge large table and we ordered everything on the menu like a couple of times yeah and yeah I think it was like one of the most educational meals I've probably ever had kind of because we were all kind of like oh yeah that would work for us and we could do that and we could yeah. do this or I don't really like that but I like this so yeah that was definitely a big one you know I was in Amsterdam last week with my mom on holidays and I had the opposite and I had a really bad experience oh, yeah. in a restaurant but it taught me so much and I haven't had a bad experience in a restaurant in a few years but that was like really kind of eye-opening to I suppose what I can use to improve my business or my food yeah. you know yeah. so I think sometimes the bad experiences teach you more than the definitely. good ones especially if you're a paying customer. So yeah, but yeah, that, that meal in Thailand was definitely remember- memorable. Yeah, so it's, I, I can nearly kind of smell what you're talking about as you're talking about. You can smell it like it's so fresh and the lemongrass and everything. Yeah, oh and, God, and no seats, you know, everyone's just in flip-flops, sitting on the floor. Um, yeah, really, really cool. They are the best meals, though, aren't they? The ones that are like regional, no fuss, local ingredients and just cooked the way they're they do it all the time like there's no kind of like trying to be something else like you say like the farm gate working in the kitchen throughout the years have you had any like culinary disaster yourself or something that you look back on now and you find very funny but at the time it was like oh but like you've learned from it since it happened you know absolutely I did every other day I make I have disasters because we write our menu every day based on what comes in and sometimes you know, we're doing, we're writing a menu that we're going to try not run out of so much of yeah. things, even though that's kind of how we're designed. So like a lot of times I'll just write the menu wrong. I'll put the wrong garnish with the wrong fish and then this sells too much or that sells too much. And it's just, yeah, like we do get that wrong. I mean, when I say we, I mean me, I get that wrong sometimes for sure. But yeah, I mean, like the luxury, I think in this industry is you have to make mistakes to learn from them. And I think when I was in Elbow, Stephen really allowed me to make mistakes Mm -hmm. so I got to learn so many so many valuable lessons probably the hard way but the right way Mm -hmm. but I remember we did a pop-up in Orso for chef sessions which was like a a training and development initiative that we have with the marketing group I they have the only ovens they had there at the time were pizza ovens and I was like oh we're doing a we're doing a tasting menu like I and I'd never ever ever cooked a souffle before like I hadn't even done it in college like for a 20 minute kind of demonstrate I was just like it's something I wanted to do I foraged blackberries and kept them in gin and preserved them then I made like a kind of puree out of that and used that to flavor the souffle but I cooked 28 souffles to order in a pizza oven and yeah it didn't go well yeah. the stress <laughs> really didn't go well. yeah I'm actually thinking like, about it now like oh my gosh like I was probably like 21 yeah. 22 over over ambitious yeah. and just like silly whereas now you know luckily 
we get asked to go and cook in a few places or we'll do pop-ups and stuff and whenever we're planning the menus now me and my sous chef Rob it's always like okay let's be practical yeah yeah scale it back (laughs) exactly but I think probably back then I had less to lose but now you know people have a certain expectation when they're going to a meal by Goldie yeah. or, or kind of me um so yeah that was definitely definitely a bad one and you know yourself like all the small injuries you get I caught a plate when I was in Fenske I opened the machine and a plate came flying out and I tried to catch it placed my hand in half was in the mercy A&E stitches you know all those yeah. like yeah yeah like I, I still burn myself every other day but um those those ones like the the bad cuts or I, I remember when I started in Market Lane I sliced half my finger off and Rob had to bring me to the to the A&E in his lovely car was I there that time yeah 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 yeah. I probably did a runner because the blood. I'm like oh that's terrible see ya yeah I remember I remember looking at it and, and then someone's like get her a coke get her a coke just like the sugar and um, yeah we've all had those moments I sliced off my nail on uh I had brand new I was only chefing about I'd say a month and the sous chef was like, oh, you stack up all the peppers like that, you know, it'll be faster. But like, sure, I didn't even know how to chop properly. And um, it was a brand new knife and I cut my nail off. It was just no horrendous. It still hasn't grown back properly. It kind of yeah. goes like in an S shape. I, <laughs> I like, have the same, yeah. yeah. Like those first, those, like those first few slices on a new knife, when, when you've never held anything that sharp, are just like, oh my God, this is, this is a weapon. Sure happens to the best of us. But as you say, like with the souffle, thing like you've taken that experience now and it doesn't even matter whether you're doing souffles or not or anything now it's always in your head to go okay we need to get it right so you can do things that are like up there but like is it really going to work well in in every single situation because things go wrong all the time all I think that's kind of the main thing isn't it like 100% I don't think people think that chefs make as much mistakes as what we do yeah but that's the reason why we get the job done then more efficiently long term 100% 100% and I think as well chefs are great at fixing their mistakes yes you know like how, how many times have you spit a hollandaise or mayonnaise or you know like those at once and learning how to kind of fix a mistake I think is I make mistakes every day and if I make a mistake I'll share my mistake with the team so they don't make the same mistake as me yeah. or if if somebody on the team makes a mistake generally it's pastry because it is a lot more delicate and precise so if we make a mistake in pastry generally we'll kind of try include everyone on the mistake mm-hmm. and be like okay everyone can make this mistake just watch us try learn from it I think you're probably the exact same as me you know if somebody makes a mistake it's fine once you learn from it exactly yeah there's always ways to come back from it now sometimes you mightn't be able to fix the problem that has occurred in in the time frame that you need it for yeah but like you can always throw something else on or come up with a different solution with what's in the fridge or what's in the pantry or anything like that and I think it's something to be learned as well I think if you're a home cook I was only talking about it the other day people try out these recipes and it might they mightn't succeed the first time and they get really disheartened by it mm-hmm. but if they kind of just said okay like I know what went wrong the next time I make it then they'd probably be amazing at it but I find with family members and friends and stuff like oh I tried making that and it didn't turn out so like it's very hard or whatever but like if a chef did that there'd be no chefs they'd be like (laughs) see you later like every time I make this it's not turning out yeah like I know when I started chefing first it's like an embarrassment as well when you're young when you're like 17 18 Mm. like I remember I could not make a mayonnaise for the life of me (laughs) but we were doing it in the robot coop and it just kept splitting and I used to get so embarrassed over it but like if you have a good teacher like they'll show you how to bring it back or whatever yeah so like I'd say by the I don't know fifth or tenth time I can't remember it was like 20 years ago you get it like and then it just goes in 
and then you're able to fix it yourself if it doesn't yeah. yeah it's just that that's kind of one of the most important things really isn't it congratulations on your new book i'm Thank so you. excited to get it i'm literally now waiting till april can you give us any bit of taster from it or any little bit of hint what what, what is it going to be like obviously it's for fish yeah so yeah it's part of the blast book collection which is a really cool kind of initiative started by Kristen Jensen in Nineveen Rose. So I think, you know, really what she wanted to do was kind of give a voice to people who were representing food in Ireland, but that may have been considered too niche. Um, So obviously kind of what I do is pretty niche and what we do in Goldie is niche. But every other day here, I have customers who just like, can't believe that, number one, that they like fish now because we've converted it. We've converted a lot of people. And, you know, we have lots of kids come in here as well and we do kids eat for free the first Wednesday of every month I think kind of appealing to people not just as couples and twos or a special occasion restaurant but just having having families feel welcome here is something that's been really important to us and kind of making fish accessible and having people maybe introduce into their diets a little bit more at home you know so with whole catch the book I I wanted to kind of represent Goldie the best way I possibly could but also be realistic as to what you could do at home so Mm -hmm. there is like lots of information on how you can prep your own fish whole at home if people are interested in that but then there's also lots of dishes that work for families or work for dinner parties kind of if you wanted to do you know small plates and stuff like that but then there's also a bit of an emphasis on tin fish and how that can be a way to add you know, seafood into your diet, information on sustainable species and practices, regenerative agriculture. Like I've learned so much from from writing it. Uh, it's still not finished technically. There's one more proofread to go. It's such a long process, but I've, I've really enjoyed it. It did require a vast amount of discipline because... I like deadlines, you know, and I had like a six months to a deadline, which I'm generally, with most things in my life, lastminute.com. <laughs> Um, but you can't do that for a book because it's yeah. like, yeah, write 30 recipes in two days. Impossible. Yeah, um, yeah. And test them, you know, because I would have done these recipes in Goldie, but then you're testing them in a home kitchen mm-hmm. and you're reducing the quantities, which massively affects the recipe. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's been re- it's been such an enjoyable process. I'm really excited to share with people and, you know, just having something here like the chefs is, the whole team is, is so excited about it but the, the chefs especially are just yeah. like because everything there was no photography for the book everything is illustrated yeah. so anything that's in the book was like taken on my iPhone um, so it's all like equipment we use plates we use obviously some of our dishes so it's really cool to kind of share those illustrations yeah. with the team and like yeah they're they're so hyped about it it's it's amazing so I'm we're going to kind of probably host a few events around Cork and around Ireland to kind of promote it and that. I really, really enjoyed writing it. I think hopefully it's something I'll get to do a little bit more of in the future. Yeah. But yeah, a huge time commitment for sure. Oh, yeah. But it's so amazing, like what you've achieved since you opened the restaurant and coming up to this point only. I mean, it's only a few years, really. But like yeah. to have that book now as a legacy for your passion is just amazing. And like you're sharing that passion with people that might like fish but they love coming to Goldie. So like that's really now going to expand their repertoire, expand their skill set, something that they can pass on to their children. It'll be a book that they have in their house. You know, you know, the way we all have these cookbooks in our house, like Idelia Smith for my mom and stuff like that. It gets passed on. And, you know, it's it's and that's going to be you like, which is just so amazing. I'm just so delighted for you. It's crazy. Yeah, thank you. I think I'm just surprised that's what we've been doing and what we are doing is important enough to merit there being a book about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's crazy for me. I like we're 
we'll be five years open in September, but not really because we, you know, we lost so much of that time through COVID because we opened six months before COVID. Yeah. Um, but like, I firmly believe that COVID was like the success of this restaurant mm-hmm. um, because we had six months, did our first six months. You know how it is, how crazy the first six months are. Yeah. Then we got a break and it was like, okay, we can reflect on everything yeah. from those that we were doing beforehand. And I think very few people get that luxury in business no, no. to be able to be like, okay, obviously we're doing loads of things wrong because it's our first six months in business. Yeah. You know, how can we improve that and that and that? And then with every lockdown, which was so difficult, I'm not taking away from that, but every lockdown, we kind of had an opportunity to improve something and reflect on some things and just research and reading. And it was really useful for us, especially for me anyway. Yeah, because you're learning off a bit of like the pressure each time. So I say it was an incredibly stressful situation yeah. to open a business in and to maintain it and probably, you know, everything that you're working towards. And then all of a sudden it was like, no. But like, as you say, I think there's a saying, there's something like a creative mind needs like to step back sometimes and do nothing, literally just like lie on a sunbed or mm. just do nothing so that your brain can actually just slow down. And then you're thinking and you can rethink things and how to like refine them and, you know, come up with recipes and things like that. Because sometimes when you're in it, you're just spinning on the wheel. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure you find that hard too. I find that at home when I cook in dinners. <laughs> I, cannot cook, I cannot come up with dinner at the home. I'm like... Oh, because they're like, I write recipe or I write the menus in bulk month by month. Yeah. So you're coming up with 40 main course, 40 meat main courses for one week and then all the vegetarian, all the sides, all the starch, salads, everything. So by the time I get home, I'm just like scrambled eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, like, just need to like breathe and not think about food for like, you know, a few hours. Absolutely. I think it's always on our minds anyway, though. Because like if you're scrolling or you see something, like, oh, that would be fab, that would be fab. Oh, my, my day revolves around food like completely yeah. whether whether or not like I'm the one eating it or the one cooking it it revolves mm-hmm. around food but my days off I'm like I really make an effort to try cook something that I really really want to eat that's probably one thing that we're terrible for we love food and it's our lives but we don't eat <laughs> you know like but, but, you know you'd make don't tell anybody that <laughs> you'd put the effort in, you know you'd put the effort in for somebody else yeah but if you're cooking for yourself, you're like, oh, sure, yeah, slice of toast and yeah, a boiled egg yeah. or some scrambled egg is fine. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, no, I'm going to really, you know, make an effort to try cook for myself and enjoy food, enjoy what I love about food. Yeah, I have to take a bit of that on board now. I like to, I like kind of cooking at the weekend, all right, but mate, week, just don't even look at me. <laughs> I'm laughing actually when we worked together in Market Lane when you came on the pastry section and I was like, do you know how to make scones? <laughs> And you're like looking at me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know the way you just don't know who's coming in. Hundred percent. And I'm, I could, I could go. Here's a scone recipe there, and you could have been like, no bother, and you're not been able to do it, you know. But I always laugh over that. I'm like the cheek of me asking Ashley Moore, did you know what to make? I know you you realized yeah, pretty yeah, quick. I did, I did. But yeah, because you you had just gotten married, I think. When yeah. I, I think you were on your honeymoon when I started, and then you came back, and they were like, oh yeah, Donna, and I was like, who is this Donna person? <laughs> Yeah, and then it was a week later and you, you were back. Yeah, oh, that was such yeah, a great time, yeah. though. Like, a great we had little team. A great little team. There. Every week we have somebody that writes into me with a culinary dilemma. And this one is from Elaine. So she loves to cook salmon and fish at home, but she's afraid that she, she will undercook it a lot. And she's afraid that she leaves it in too long as well, because she might leave it in for 20, 25 minutes, like small bit of salmon. So what would be your top tips for cooking fish at home to take out that kind of nervousness about getting it wrong? First thing, if... 
you're baking it let's say you're baking it because that's what she's doing here i would take your fish out of the fridge at least 15 minutes before you cook it so it can come to room temperature the fish will cook more evenly rather than going from like somewhere between zero and five degrees into 180 degree or 200 degree oven if it's at room temperature it's going to cook much faster for mm -hmm. you much more evenly and i would say yeah pre your oven and depending on the size of the fish i wouldn't leave fish in an oven longer mm. than 15 minutes for something like a salmon down i'd say maybe 12 minutes obviously it depends on the fish how i check if fish is cooked is i use like a little cake tester well no i actually use tweezers but yeah. people don't use them at home so like just like a little a little cake tester or even like a little skewer or a corn on the cob mm. skewer or whatever you have at home that's like nice and small and if it goes into the center pick the thickest piece of the fish and if it goes into the center like without any resistance and just glides mm -hmm. through it's cooked and if there's any resistance yeah. it's not cooked yet and then if you're looking for something on a probe i usually go to around 60 yeah. degrees but actually in whole catch there is uh, a whole section on cooking fish at home from how you should store it to non-stick cooking hacks in a frying pan um all those kind of things for baking fish like that i love just doing like a really simple breadcrumb mm -hmm. herb mix with a little bit of dijon lemon zest and a yeah. little bit of olive oil through it and just get that on top of it 200 degrees in the oven kind of eight mm -hmm. to 12 minutes and yeah such a quick meal like fish at yeah. home for for dinner you're not anywhere near the 20 25 minute yeah, bus yeah. Of the chicken it really breast. is it's so handy and um, but i think like that now is just a skill set that people are afraid of you need to go out and buy whole catch what date is it available from <laughs> yes it's out on April 25th and it's available to pre-order now on uh, Blastabooks website. I think it's www.blastabooks.ae, but I could be wrong. Okay, perfect. We'll tag that in the in the post. Absolutely, yeah. Link is on my page. Ashling, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed your chat. My pleasure, girl. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the follow button as it will really help my podcast grow. Follow me on Instagram at chopchop underscore dot IE for news of events, recipes and tips. Oh.